Amen. I hope you all can honestly and truthfully sing those songs. It is well uh, with my soul. I will go ahead and just open up with a word of prayer. So if you'll bow with me. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you for uh, this church, this body of believers. Uh, Father, I just pray that you be uh, with uh, Clark County. I pray that you be with Ohio, uh, this nation, and uh, worldwide uh, with the uh, global pandemic going on right now, Father. Uh, Father, we know uh, that this did not take you by surprise, uh, that you are in total control And Father, I pray that we live our lives uh, like we know that knowledge that that you are uh, in total control. Uh, Father, I just pray that you keep us all healthy. I pray that you keep us all safe. Father, I pray that during this time uh, we can be a church that ministers uh, to the people of the world, a people in a state of hurting and a state of fear. And I just pray that we can uh, show your love to uh, the rest of the world. And Father, I just thank you uh, for the people here. I thank you for uh, the people listening online. And I just thank you for this opportunity that we have here today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So it has been a a crazy week. That's uh, an an understatement right there. Uh, I'm a young fella, but I don't think I've ever seen anything uh, quite like this. Um, and I hope a year from now we can look back uh, at what we're, uh, what the society is doing now, and I hope we can all look back and say the the reactions that the society's taking place. I hope we can see that they were all just overreactions, and, and I hope that that can be uh, the truth. The drastic measures that were taking place. I hope we can. Look at it a year from now and say, oh, we were just overreacting to it, uh, but uh, it, it will get worse uh, before it gets better. I mean, uh, I, I'm big into to statistics, big into numbers, uh, and, and that's what the numbers are showing us over in China. It, it, it will get worse uh, before it gets better. But I want to encourage you all that in China, where it all originated, uh, the virus is already appearing uh, to calm down. Uh, they're, they're already at the point where they have more people being cured from the disease the new cases. So the, the number's actually dwindling in, in China. So there, we, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, even though we're just really approaching it here in America. But, but most importantly, uh, I want to remind you all uh, that, that, again, God was not surprised by any of this. God was not surprised that a couple of months ago, uh, the, this epidemic in China of the coronavirus would start. God's not shocked that uh, what they're going through in Italy. God's not shocked uh, that it was brought over to America as well. God God's not surprised by anything, and God is in total control of the situation, Um, and and, and that might be, uh, there's going to be sicknesses, there's going to be deaths, but ultimately God is in control, and we we can put our faith in God, and and we can also put our hope in a time where there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more viruses or diseases, there'll be no more crying or pain for the former things will have passed away. And that's the hope that we have as Christians, the hope of the coming kingdom. Uh, events like this just make me all the more look forward to, to God's coming kingdom. And, and I hope you guys ha- have that same perspective uh, as well, that yeah, well, we're going through a, a difficult time as a nation, a, a, as a world. But one day, there's going to be a time, there's going to be an age, an everlasting age, where there'll be no problems of the world. There'll be no sin, there'll be no death, and there'll be no sickness. And that is a time that I thoroughly look forward to. And that's the hope that you and I have as Christians. 
And I want to uh, encourage you guys, if, or if anybody listening online, if you have any physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual needs that you have at this time, or really whenever, please, please, please do not hesitate to ask myself or, or the elders, as John was uh, talking about earlier. You know, we, we often rely on the government uh, for physical help, but honestly, if the church effectively and efficiently did their job, there'd be no need for that. So please, 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 if you have any physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual need at this time or whenever, please, please, please don't hesitate to ask myself, Mark, Brian, or John, or, or any other leader of the church, as that's what a church is for. That's what a body of believers is for. That's what the family of God is for. We, we, we lean in on each other, and we help each other out when, when someone is in a time of need. It's our responsibility uh, as leaders, as shepherds uh, of the flock. Um, and, and especially if you're in uh, the vulnerable demographic of the corn coronavirus uh, at this time. Uh, shortly before Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, he took his closest disciple, Peter, aside. And he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And, and three times Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And so three times uh, Jesus told Peter, then take care of my sheep. Or, or, or tend to my flock, or feed my sheep. Three times Jesus told Peter to take care of his people. And that's the responsibility that we have as God's church, as, as Christ's church, is to take care of his people. And, and I hope that we are doing that efficiently and effectively here at North Hills. And so again, I want to reiterate, if you have any physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual need, please, please, please do not hesitate to ask. And as Mark was talking a bit earlier uh, this morning uh, with the announcements, we, we haven't uh, made any cancellations yet. We haven't made any uh, drastic changes, uh, but stay tuned. Uh, I, personally, I'd be very surprised uh, if that holds true uh, for much longer. Uh, the elders and I, uh, we're, we're going to have an extensive meeting after the service uh, today and look at all, the, all of our possibilities looking forward. And we want to do what's best for you guys. We want to do what's best uh, for God's uh, people, whether that's meeting, whether that's uh, serving your needs some other way. But uh, we're going to take a look at all of our possibilities uh, before us. And if you're currently not connected uh, with us through the email chain or, or through our Facebook page, I'd strongly encourage you to do so because that's how we send announcements out to you guys. So if you're not connected, if you didn't know, we have an email chain. If you're not connected to our email chain, then please see myself or Brian. Can you raise your hand over there, Brian? See Brian as well as either of us can hook you up onto our email chain. And if you don't have access to the internet uh, entirely, uh, th then find it. Yeah, I, I saw Mary Patton, Maryland. Exactly. Find yourself a buddy. You need a buddy. Uh, and that buddy is responsible for relaying information to you. So Marilyn, you're responsible for relaying information to Mary. And, and anybody else who does and Sylvia, you got that, Marilyn? And any, anybody else who doesn't have access to the internet, find yourself a buddy within the church who does. Don't find yourself a buddy that doesn't have access to the internet as well. Find yourself a buddy that does have access to the internet so they can relay information uh, to you as we will be relaying information to you guys whether or not we cancel anything. Um, so, so be sure uh, to be connected with, with what's going on. Uh, in this time as, again, it's, it's a crazy time. Again, I'm a young fellow, but I, I have never really lived uh, through anything uh, quite uh, like this. Um, and this whole situation has weighed very heavily uh, on my heart uh, and, and just uh, what to do 
as a church, what to talk about. Um, last night, I, I went to bed. I, I rolled into bed. I couldn't sleep, so I went out to the couch to try and fall asleep. Uh, just gonna put myself in a different environment. I tried to turn on a movie. I turned on The Sandlot to try and fall. I always fall asleep watching movies. You can ask my wife, does anybody else always fall asleep watching movies? Yes, when I struggle falling asleep, I turn on a movie. So I turned on The Sandlot last night. I was like, you know, I'm too interested in this. It's not working. So then I had to start watching Lady and the Tramp, and that did it for me. I fell asleep watching Lady and the Tramp uh, last night. But I want you guys to all know that, that we are seriously contemplating what is best for each and every one of you guys. And if you have any thoughts or opinions, don't hesitate uh, to come to myself or one of the elders. Now, as I was thinking about what to talk about uh, this morning, uh, I, I, was, I was really uh, hesitant to know what to talk about. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more uh, appropriate I realized the message that I had already planned uh, for today. And, and today's message, we're going to be concluding our series, Giving God Your Best. So uh, a number of weeks ago when we started this series, we talked about giving God your best effort. And kind of the theme verse was Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. And that can really be applied throughout this whole series. Whatever you do, give it your best. Give your best to God. And effort is one of those resources that we have that we can give our best to God. We, we should all be giving God 100% effort, our best effort. The beauty about effort is it's 100% on you. There's nothing, there's no one who can stop you from giving 100% effort. That also means you don't have an excuse if you're not giving 100% effort to God. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about giving God the best of our time. Time is our most valuable resource that we have as humans. And we need to give back to God our most valuable resource that he has blessed us with. And there's many ways in which we can give back our time to God, like serving uh, the needs of the people and so forth. But the two main ways in which we talked about, and which I've talked about uh, time and time again this past year, is prayer and reading your Bible. And Miles, those are the two main ways in which you can give your time back to God. And again, we're giving it back to God because God is the one who blessed us with that time. And not only did God bless us with time, but God blesses us with money as well. So last week we, we talked about uh, giving God the best of our money. Money is a huge deal in our culture. And it was in Jesus' time and before then as well. Uh, it, it blew my mind uh, that there are over twice over twice as many verses about money and possessions in the Bible as there are about faith and prayer combined. There's twice as many, over twice as many verses about money and possessions in the Bible than faith and prayer combined. That's how big of a topic money was in Jesus' time, and I don't think that has settled down any. I would say it's become all the more of an important deal in our culture and our society. So it should be talked about in the church. Yes, I know talking about money is taboo in church, is taboo coming from the pulpit. Uh, but if God wanted his, wanted his authors to talk about money so much, I think we ought to talk about money a bit as well. And so we took a look at, uh, in Mark chapter 12, uh, the offering of the poor widow and how she gave her best offering to God. It, it was only two small copper coins, but it was the best that she had. And, and, and she was blessed for that. And because of that, she was made a hero of our faith. And, and, and when it comes to money, we will either worship money or we will worship with our money. Again, we will either worship money or we will worship with 
our money. And so today, as we conclude our series and talking about giving God your best, today we're going to be talking about giving God your best review. Giving God your best review. As uh, we are a people, we are a society that are heavily influenced by people's reviews of things. My dad loves Yelp and TripAdvisor. Is anybody else familiar familiar with and use Yelp or or TripAdvisor? Yeah, I I see a handful of hands. My dad loves Yelp and TripAdvisor. If you aren't familiar with that, if you aren't on the internet yet, um, (laughs) uh, Yelp and and TripAdvisor, they're different sites on the internet uh, where people review and they rate restaurants, they rate hotels, attractions, etc. Whatever it may be, they rate it. People gave their honest opinions. And uh, my dad is someone who is heavily influenced by people's reviews on Yelp or TripAdvisor. Whenever we go on a trip or whenever we go on a vacation, my dad is always looking on his phone on Yelp or TripAdvisor to see where we should eat uh, for dinner, where we should spend our afternoon. He's always looking at that as he's always looking at people's reviews. Last weekend uh, when my family uh, came to town, uh, my dad got on TripAdvisor and he was looking up things to do in Springfield. Newsflash, there's not a lot to do in Springfield. <laughs> uh, but, but one of the, the biggest attractions in Springfield, whether you knew it or not, according to the people, is the Rock Garden. Is, is anybody familiar with the Rock Garden? Raise your hand if you're familiar with the Rock Garden. Yeah, not, not very many of us. It's one of the main attractions in Springfield, the Rock Garden. And so my dad looked it up and he typed it, he typed it in, uh, the address, and we went. And if you don't know, the Rock Garden is just in the backyard of a lady's house. I mean, it's, it, I'm serious. We, 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 it's been there for over 100 years, but it's just in the backyard of a lady's house and, and not the nicest part of town either. And so, and so as we pull up, everybody in my vehicle, we had two vehicles because my cousins were in town as well. Everybody in my vehicle was like, Dad, are you serious, man? This is what you brought us to? Um, but uh, yeah, but as we actually went through and, and looked at the rock garden, it was actually pretty cool. So if you haven't been to the rock garden, yeah, I would actually encourage you guys to check out the rock garden. It was actually pretty neat. Uh, it was very cool. A, a lot of awesome pieces of rock sculpture in the rock garden. Um, but, but the reviews of the people on Yelp and TripAdvisor, they uh, affected us just last week. And if it weren't for those people's reviews on TripAdvisor, I can assure you I would have never gone to the rock garden. But because of these people's review of the rock garden... We found ourselves uh, a week from yesterday at the Rock Garden because that is the power of a review. And I see this especially true today with the coronavirus. I I see the power and the effect of a review. For better or worse, and 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 I'll let you be the judge of that for yourself, the government, the media, and the other organizations have really highlighted the dangers of the coronavirus. They're giving the coronavirus a very dangerous review. And so what do we see from that? We, we, we see the society taking drastic measures against the, corona, against the coronavirus. And again, I'll let you be the judge for better or worse. But we see 
the effect that a review has. As again, the government and the media are giving this very dangerous review of the coronavirus, and it has highly, highly, highly affected the way our culture and society runs. You know, I look back into 2009. 2009, I was in school, and our nation was hit by the swine flu. The world was hit by the swine flu. And the government and the media, that yeah, they, they took a look at the dangers of the swine flu, but they did not nearly... To, to this degree, highlight the dangers of the swine flu nearly as much. Even though the swine flu, it killed 575,000 people worldwide. If that's not a pandemic, then, then I don't know what is. The coronavirus to this point ha- has killed about 5,000 people worldwide thus far. So the difference in the action in our society between now 2020 and 2009, I think largely is due to the government and the media pointing out the, the dangerous review of the coronavirus. And, and again, I'll let you be the judge if that's for better or worse, but we can see that because of this dangerous review, we, we see our whole world taking drastic measures to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And I hope, and, and I do think that the, that the stark review against the coronavirus will save potentially thousands and thousands of lives, but, but that's the power of a review. That's the power of a review. A a review brought us to the rock garden and a a review also potentially saving thousands and thousands of people as well. Our reviews have so much power and they have so much uh, of an impact on people's lives and the decisions that they make as well. We can see the power of a review from the scriptures as well. And so at this time, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of John. John chapter 4. This is one of my uh, favorite stories uh, in the scriptures. Um, and it's kind of uh, interesting because no, no huge miracle uh, takes place here. But uh, I, I love the story uh, that takes place in John chapter 4. And, and I hope that you will learn uh, to love it as well. So in John chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 42. We're, we're going to be reading a, a good chunk of scripture here. But, but I hope you guys see the power that a review has here in John chapter 4. So starting in verse 1 of John chapter 4, it reads, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had uh, to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So here Jesus, he, he's leaving uh, Judea, and, and he comes across uh, the city of Samaria. If you don't know Samaria, it was kind of like it was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel uh, when, when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom divided. So Samaria, it, it was a big city. And so Jesus comes across a town of Samaria, basically uh, kind of what I picture as like the outskirts of the big city of Samaria. He comes across this town, Sychar, and, and, and as he's on this journey, 
Jesus is wearied. Uh, now, I, I kind of like that detail because I don't think God uh, would, would ever get worn out. But here, Jesus, he is wearied from, from his journey, and, and so he goes to sit um, beside the well. And it's about the sixth hour, or, or some of your, your translations may say about noon. For the sixth hour uh, is noon. They, they would count uh, the hours from the sunrise. So, so it was about noon at this time Jesus was sitting at the well in Samaria. Now, if you don't know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along at, at all. And, and, and there's no really a point in history where you can pinpoint why uh, the, the Jews, the people of Judea, and, and the Samaritans didn't get along. But they did not get along. And part of that reason is maybe be because the Samaritans, uh, they harassed uh, the, the Jews' attempt in rebuilding the temple and the book of Ezra. Uh, the Samaritans, they also intermarried with the Assyrians a lot, one of the enemies, one of the people whom God said not to intermarry with. So, so there were reasons as to why the Jews did not get along well with the Samaritans. And, and here Jesus is, is in the, the city of Samaria, where the Samaritans come from. And so as we continue in the story in verse 7, it reads, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to, to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water uh, that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So again, here Jesus at about noon when, when, when the sun is high and it would be hot at that time, you, you didn't really want to be out. Uh, in that time, in their culture, the woman of the time, they, they would go to the well both at the morning and at evening to draw water. However, it was very rare for a woman to draw water at noon. I mean, I mean that, that wouldn't really make sense. Why draw water when, when the sun is at its highest or near its highest and, and, and it's really hot? Why would someone do it? But here, for whatever reason, as we'll see in a bit, the, the Samaritan woman, she's drawing water at noon so, so nobody else would encounter her. And, and, and so he encounters this Samaritan woman. I mean, that's like a double bogey in, in that culture and society, being a woman and a Samaritan. A woman, again, back in there, I'm not downing women, don't misread me there. Women back in, in the time of Jesus, they simply did not receive the rights that men do back then. And, and they were often looked down in their, in their society and culture. And so Jesus was talking to one, a woman, but then also a Samaritan woman. So again, that's like a double bogey. Like Jesus should not be found talking with the Samaritan woman. 
But Jesus, as they start talking, Jesus, we know, he, he doesn't have uh, the, those biases that the people of their culture did, and he doesn't have those pretenses that people did. And so he's talking with this lady, and uh, he offers her this living water, which we won't, won't really get into, and he offers her eternal life, and, and she's intrigued by this. And so in verse 16, as we continue, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She's a bright one. Uh, our, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> I, I can just imagine seeing her jaw drop as she realizes, yes, there is a Messiah coming. There, there is a chosen one of God coming to tell us everything you're telling me, you prophet. And this Messiah, he's going to save the world. And Jesus tells her uh, blatantly, I who speak to you am he. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah that you are looking for. So, so, but before then, Jesus uh, tells her to go uh, get her husband, and she says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right in saying you have no husband because you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now isn't your husband. And so Jesus, he was dealing with a Samaritan, he was dealing with a woman, and he was dealing with a woman that had five previous marriages and, and a woman who was currently with a man who was not her husband. This woman would have been an outcast. That is why, I, I believe there's strong reason to believe, that is why she was drawing from the well at noon. When nobody else would be there drawing the water, she wanted to go draw her water. She wanted to put herself out in the society in the middle of the town when nobody else would encounter her because she realized her place in society. She realized that, that she, she was the, the, the low of the low in, in, in her society and in her culture. As she had her immorality, she, she was a woman, she was a Samaritan. She was not a woman you wanted to be seen around. She, this is not a person that would have had a lot of influence in her town. As again, she didn't even want to go draw water when all the other women of the city were drawing water. I mean, she, she, had a, 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 she was not in a good demographic, let's just put it that way. And she had yet to find her true love. She keeps looking and looking and looking, but no thing or person can satisfy her. And she believed in the promise of the Messiah. And when Jesus told her that I who speak to you am he. This is cool. This is cool right here. As we, as we continue in verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So do you see something missing in that picture there? Here, the, the Samaritan woman, she, she brings her stuff to go gather water from the well, and, and she leaves the well, and she forgot something. She forgot her water jar. She forgot the exact reason why she went to the well in the first place. It was to satisfy her thirst, but she forgot that exact reason because she was, her, her mind was blown that she had encountered the Christ, she has encountered what she believes to be the Messiah. And, and, and so she goes and, and it says she left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And so she, she's getting word out to people. that the, the same person who was scared and nervous to, to encounter anybody else, the same person was going back to her town and saying, guys, I think I might have found the Messiah. I think I might have found the Christ. Come follow me and see if he indeed is the Christ. And so it says in verse 31, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? I mean, I love the disciples. They are a very literal a group of people. I, I'm a literal kind of guy. And they go, has, has anybody brought this, this guy something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And so here, as, this, as the uh, disciples uh, are uh, talking, they're gathering together, they're telling Jesus to eat. Jesus says, I've already eaten. And there's some good material in there that we do not have time to uh, cover. But we, but we continue in, in verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from that town, the town of the Samaritan woman, believed in him, that's Christ, because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And, he, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know, we, we, we don't think, we, we, we don't consider, we know that this indeed, the Savior of the world this is an awesome story of the power of a review. Because again, here we're, we're dealing with a Samaritan woman who went through a, a number of problems in her past. She's a woman to begin with. Women just, they, whether you like it or not, I don't like it, uh, but, but they just did not receive this, the same rights that women do today. And, and she just did not have things going her way. And so then she stumbles across the Christ one day drawing uh, water from the well when she thought nobody else would be there, at least as little people as possible. And Jesus tells her that, hey, I am the Christ. And she goes back to her town. And she tells the people of her town, and she has a glowing report of Jesus. For it says in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. 
And so this Samaritan woman, she was blown away by the Christ. She was blown away that, that Jesus Christ knew that she had five husbands prior and that Jesus Christ knew that she had a man that she was with right now but wasn't her husband. She says, this guy, he told me all that I ever did and she was blown away. She was blown away by the Christ. She was blown away by the Messiah. And because of this review of Jesus that this woman gave, it says from that town, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony or because of the woman's review of Jesus. That's the power of a review. That's the power of a testimony. That's the power of real. Because of one woman, because of one woman who, who did not have things going her way in life, who, who, who could not find anything or anyone to satisfy her needs or her desires, because of this one woman, many people, not just some, not a few, but many people from her town believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Again, that is the power of review. I, I, I love the, the, the figurative story here as well as this lady, she was going to the well uh, to fulfill her thirst. As she was thirsty, Jesus tells her, I can provide you with living water where if you drink from it, you'll never be thirsty again. And she goes back to her friends, she goes back to her family, she goes back to the people of her town and, and she, she tells this glowing review of Jesus to, to the people around her. And because of this, she herself is now acting as a well. She herself is now acting as a well of the living water, of the living water that provides eternal life. So here a woman who, who cannot be satisfied by anything, she goes to the well and she encounters Jesus. And as she goes back to her town, as she goes back to her people, she herself becomes a living well. As people come to her and as they come to her, they put their faith, they put their belief in the Messiah, the giver of the living water. There, there, there is so much beautiful symbolism here in the story in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. But again, we can see the power that a review has. If it weren't for that, one, if, if it weren't for that woman, that one woman who, who did not have much of anything going her way, if it were not for her one review of Jesus... There would have, most likely there would have been a lot of people in that town who would have missed out on putting their faith and hope in, in our Savior, in the Lord, in Jesus Christ. Because of one person's review, many people were saved. And that, my friends, that, that brothers and sisters, that is the power of a review. And you have that same capacity today. You have that same capacity today. One reason in which I love this story is this woman, this hero, this person who brought many people into this faith of Jesus, this woman, she had nothing special about her. Not a thing, not, not a single special thing about her. Nothing different from you and I. In fact, we have it better than her. But the power of her one review, she was able to do so 
much good. And this Samaritan woman, just like the poor widow from last week, these two ladies, they are heroes of our faith. And again, these are two ladies who had nothing special about them. We're dealing with a poor widow, and we're dealing with a lady who had five prior husbands, a lady who couldn't get her love life right, who was just the low of the low in her culture and her ladder. And she's a hero of our faith. And again, you have that same power. You have that same capacity that, that, that this woman had 2,000 years ago. That's the power of a review. You have that same ability to bring people to God and his son Jesus through your review of them. Now, you can give God one of three reviews. One, you can give God a negative review. You can go and you can tell others, oh, this God that we worship, he's a mean God, he's an evil God, he's a harsh God. How could God ever let the coronavirus infect the whole world? You know, you can give a negative review of God. The second option is you could give God no review at all. You could tell nobody about God. You could keep your faith, you could keep your belief in Jesus as a private in your own life. The third option is that you can give God a positive review to others. Now, I'm guessing and I'm hoping that none of us are giving God a negative review to others. I'm guessing uh, you, you made the dedication, you made the decision to come to church and worship God. And so I'm guessing you think pretty highly of God, especially in a time that is potentially, uh, Lord forbid this, but potentially maybe even a bit dangerous. So I'm guessing none of us here are giving negative reviews of God, so we're not even going to discuss this. But I'm guessing all of us are either giving God a good review or we are giving God no review at all. And I'm, and I'm afraid in our culture and in our society, Christians in America, I'm afraid too many Christians are choosing to give God no review at all. That's my fear, that, that, that's my worry, and, and, and I'm afraid that is the truth that too many Christians don't give God a review at all to others. Too many people aren't telling their friends, they're not telling their families, they're not telling their coworkers, or etc. about God and his son Jesus Christ and the coming kingdom. That's a lot of capacity that many of us are missing out on. That's a lot of people that we can reach out to that we aren't currently reaching out to. As again, we, we, we may be uh, a bit pessimistic and say, eh, they're, they're not going to do anything about it. They're, they're not really going to believe by my review of God and Jesus. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Samaritan woman had, had, had many doubts like that as well. But because of her one powerful review, she was able to bring many people into the family of God. She was able to bring many people into the belief that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior of the world. And you have so much capacity. You have so much power. Let me tell you, with, with much power comes much responsibility. We all have a responsibility today. As we all have the capacity to do so much in our society, in our culture, and in our nation. But a lot of us aren't fulfilling. A lot of us aren't meeting that capacity. The lack of a review is a big deal. 
If people had, had not gone on TripAdvisor and had not uh, given a review to, trip, to the rock garden, we would have never found our way to the rock garden. I'm not, I'm not even saying that if they would have given, if they would have given it a poor review, yeah, we wouldn't have found our way either, there either. But even people who went and didn't give a review at all, again, we would have never found our way at the rock garden. If the Samaritan woman, if she would have kept this secret to herself that Jesus was the Messiah, there, there would have been a lot of people who would have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. For there is a lot, a lot, I, I cannot understate this enough. There is a ton of power in a review, and you have that same power that the Samaritan woman had in John chapter 4. And again, with much power comes much responsibility. And we're living through a, a difficult time in our society, in our country, in the world with, with the coronavirus. There, there's no way to, to, to go around it. It's a difficult time we're living in. This has dramatically affected our society and the whole world. It has made life very difficult for a lot of people. And it has created fear for a lot of people. And let me tell you, in, 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 in a difficult time, in a fearful time, people want to find a hope. People want to find a reason to have hope. People want to have something or someone to put their hope in. And I'm telling you that people will be more open to receiving this gospel message. People will be more open to putting their faith in Jesus more than normal possibly more than ever before in our lives because of the dangers that people are going through right now. Because again, in a difficult time, people need and people want to put their hope in something greater. They want to put their hope in something greater than the coronavirus. And so with this coronavirus, it's bringing a lot of tragedy to the world. It's bringing a lot of sickness it's bringing a lot of death, and it's only going to bring more death. But also what I see with the coronavirus is I see a wonderful opportunity for us. I see a wonderful opportunity to give a glowing report of Jesus and his Father God in the coming kingdom. As people are going to be susceptible to this message right now, as people are in a state of hurting, they're in a state of fear, and they want to put their hope in something bigger than the coronavirus. And let me tell you, God is much, 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 much bigger than any virus this world could ever bring. God is much, 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 much bigger than, an oppo than any opposing force. And we need to tell our friends, we need to tell our families, we need to tell our coworkers about God and his son Jesus. We need to give a glowing report. We need to give our best review of God to those around us. And I'm telling you, if you do that, I think you will reap the benefits. I think you will reap the harvest. As again, I think this is a prime opportunity for us to share this good news that we have. This good news that we have isn't meant to just be held secret to us but this message is meant to be spread to the whole world. And we have a prime opportunity
before us to give a glowing report of God to others. And I think we will see the benefits of that. I think we can bring people into the faith of God and his son, Jesus Christ. The only missing link in this equation is whether or not you give a good review of God to your friends, family, and those you encounter. You have the power. That's awesome. That's cool. But that's also scary. You have the power, and that means you have the responsibility as well to give your best review that you can to those around you. And so as we talked about uh, these past four weeks, we need to give God the best that we have. That includes your effort. That includes your time. That includes your money. And that includes your review as well. We need to be a people that is giving God the best that we have to offer. And if we do, you will see the benefits. I can guarantee you that. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you uh, for the wonderful miracles of our bodies uh, and, and our ability um, to, to just live life on a daily basis. Father, at this time, I, I pray that you be with all those affected um, by the coronavirus. Uh, Father, at this time, uh, I pray that you open our eyes. I pray that you open the eyes of your church so that we can see the opportunity before us, that we can see the opportunity to spread your love to the people of this world, to spread your gospel message, this good news, to the people of the world. And Father, I, I pray that, that North Hills can be a church that, that gives a glowing review of you to others, that we can be a church that gives our best review to others, and I pray that we can see and reap the benefits of this. Father, I hope and pray that we can be a church that expands your coming kingdom. And Father, we all look forward to that day when your son uh, will establish your kingdom here on earth. Father, we, we, we pray that day comes soon. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.